Hello and welcome to a Tuesday episode of the State of the Nova Nation. I'm Eugene Rapay. He's Chris Danziel. Chris, those UConn Huskies, man, taking another big fat L before they <laughs> come over to the Big East. They were coming in hot thinking that, you know, they still run the show and that this would have been a nice way to remind the cats. You know, they're like, oh, Villanova's a little down this year. They're younger. No, not this time. It got a little scary, though. I'll give them that. They made it a little scary. But uh, ultimately a good game on Saturday through the snow, through the inclement weather. It looked like a lot of people still came out. Villanova got the win. They're moving up on the polls. Oh, overall, a good weekend. A good weekend. Always good to sweep that three-year series against the UConn Huskies. Yeah, for sure. I mean, if, yeah, you can flaunt the uh, the W in front of their, your, their face all you want, but it was a close game, a much closer game than I anticipated, and it was uh, it was very scary. And thank God for Jermaine Samuels being uh, very good at basketball, or else this would have been a really, really terrible weekend for myself, uh, toppled with a Packers no-show in the NFC Championship. But that's okay. We're here for uh, Villanova basketball from here on out, and good way to get it started at least. Oh, yes. Welcome to joining us. I mean, I know Eagles fans, their season lasted a little longer than us Giants fans, but I, I've been here all college basketball since like week four. <laughs> I, I, I've been here. I've been here. It's just now full. Undivided. Oh, yeah, no. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't want to make myself sound too crazy. But. Oh, no, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. Now it's like there are no more distractions, nothing, right. nothing else to divert your attention on Sundays. Mm-hmm. It's just full on, full steam ahead, blue and white. Let's go, Nova. Let's go, go Cats. Go Cats. Bang, bang, bang. Bang, bang, bang is for sure. All right, so how about these polls? Lots of movement today. Yeah, incredible amounts of movement. It looks like Gonzaga has dropped down to number two, not because they lost, but because the pollsters had enough of their schedule. And Baylor has now leapfrogged them for the number one spot. Kansas moves in to number three. San Diego State is now at number four. Florida State is at number five. There were a lot of losses going around on Saturday, and I was glad that Nova was able to avoid that bug there because there were a number of upsets. I mean, Duke took a big L. Oregon, they survived against Washington, but they did lose earlier in the week to Washington State, so they dropped. Butler lost. West Virginia lost. Kentucky lost. Auburn lost. A lot of people lost, and they fell in the polls. But Nova's moving on up. They move up a few slots to number nine. Seton Hall is now joining them in the top 10. They're right there in the caboose, rounding out at number 10. Butler drops to number 13 after being top five for a hot minute. And Creighton is no longer in the party in regards to the Big East. So it's just those three Big East teams for this week in the top 25. Chris, uh, when you look at these polls, I mean, you know, there's so many upsets. Anything else stick out to you? Anything notable? Uh, Just one general observation. I'm a little upset that Butler is – no longer in the top 10, or at least ranked a little bit higher than Villanova. It would have been cool to have Butler come into Villanova as a higher-ranked team, you know, play up the whole underdog thing, even though not really underdogs, but play up the whole underdog in terms of ranking. CNC and Hall in the top 10, that's nice. It seems like they rebounded after their loss to Rutgers. And speaking of Rutgers, look who cracked the top <laughs> 25, Eugene. Led by Don Bosco Prep's own Ron Harper Jr., Number 24, Rutgers. I am honestly in shock. <laughs> I never thought I'd see the death. <laughs> I never thought I'd see the death. You know that there were some Rutgers beat writers that were like, if you're going to put Seton Hall in the top 10, you got to give us this. You got to give us this. I also didn't know Ron Harper Jr. went to DVP. Wow. He did. 
Yeah, he did. I don't. I think he was my youngest brother's grade. It was either that or a year behind. He might have redshirted at Rutgers, but he's also the son of Ron Harper, who played on those Bulls teams. I don't know which Bulls teams, but I know he played on the Bulls teams that won a lot. Yeah, he was one of the players whose job was to give it to Scotty or Mike. <laughs> yes, he was. It's like the kicking and screaming. Give the ball to the Italians. Give the ball to Scotty Pippen and Michael Jordan. Once in a while, Tony Kukoc or Steve Kerr. Once in a while. Yeah, I mean, I was going to say, how can you forget about Steve Kerr popping up, uh, hitting all those big threes, uh, saving Michael Jordan's legacy, obviously. Getting um, punched in the face. Yeah, the whole thing. <laughs> Forgot about that. <laughs> Great teams. Great teams. But, yeah, that's uh, that's my observation on the polls right now. I just can't – I can't believe Rutgers. Yeah, does this mean we can't troll Rutgers anymore? What, what is this? They're, they're now a top 25-ranked team. I, I don't think we can, Eugene. I don't think we can. Do we become a Rutgers podcast now? No, 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 no. Let's we're let's not get ahead of ourselves. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. <laughs> okay, all right. We're still at the Paul podcast. Oh yeah, I mean they were they were part of the reason why Butler dropped so much. But yeah, we're definitely big fans of the Paul for that, and it looks like they were finally able to close the deal in a big big time win. Probably the biggest win so far, and their first win in Big East play. What a way to get that. If we're looking at the receiving vote section, we do have a few Big East teams there in the mix. I mean Creighton. Even though they fell out of the top 25, they're, they're still receiving votes. Marquette's got a couple of votes, and that's it. That's it for the Big East, the good old Big East. Yeah, Marquette's bad. I don't know why they're still getting votes, but they're, they're not good. So I'm assuming that'll change eventually. I don't know. I've noticed this past weekend, maybe I just happened to be browsing Twitter a little more, but it seems like Marquette Twitter is driving some flack from people who are now playing up the – Marcus Howard and Wojo chased out the Hauser brothers. I don't know about that, but that seems to be the thing that's going on, at least this past weekend from my note, from what I noticed. Yeah, I kind of felt like no matter how Marquette's season went, that narrative was going to eventually drum itself up, unless they like, were perfect throughout. Because winning cures all. But the fact that they're not having the hottest start to the season so far, it's, uh, you, you would expect some Hauser brother talk would be uh, influencing the narrative. So on to Saturday's game. Another exciting Wells Fargo showdown. Like you said, this was definitely a little closer than I expected, especially with the way that Nova was shooting in the first half, particularly from deep. I thought they would have waxed them. They got off to that hot start. Sadiq Bey was draining a couple threes. Overall, as a team, they were launching from deep and making them shooting 6 of 11 in the first half from downtown. They take a six-point lead into the break. They come out, and all of a sudden, UConn starts rumbling right back into it. They take the lead. Nova goes cold. It's starting to look a little worrisome. The Wildcats are able to fight back, inch back, get in front, and then big game, Jermaine, hitting that dagger three, which was probably one of the sexiest shots I've seen this season. Once again, this guy loves playing in the pinch. He loves playing in clutch situations at the Wells Fargo Center. He had that nice shot against Kansas in the closing seconds to put the game away, and then he came back with some more onions against the UConn Huskies with that nice three. Final score, 61 Villanova, UConn, 55. Jermaine Sam was leading the way with 19 points. He was a cool 4 of 6 from downtown. He also had 5 boards. Colin Gillespie added 12 points, 4 rebounds, 3 assists. Jeremiah Robinson Earl, 11 points and 7 boards. Sadiq Bey had 9 points. And then looking at the UConn side, Christian Vital led the way with 13 points, 8 boards, 3 assists. He did have 5 turnovers, and that was kind of UConn's issue all game long. Altariq Gilbert chipped in 12 points. Same with Josh Carlton, who also had 12 points before fouling out. Chris, man, what a game. What a game. In a game where Nova 
went kind of cold in the second half. They didn't shoot as well as UConn did, percentage-wise at least. Overall, UConn shot 49%. Nova shot 39%. But they made way more threes, and they were able to get one out. And, of course, Samuels with the dagger at the end. What were your impressions of this one? Positives. First three-point shooting I thought was really good, obviously, uh, 47.8%. And we kind of harped on it last episode where we were speculating, is UConn's three-point defense legitimately good or is it kind of a fluke because of the teams they play? Well, it kind of looks like the latter, and Villanova was able to exploit that uh, with uh, Jermaine Samuels and Colin Gillespie taking a full advantage of that. Also want to praise the defense as well, allowing only 55 points to UConn. And I know UConn's not the most offensively gifted team, but the defense kept them in it for sure. And they forced 17 turnovers, five of which which was from their star guard, Christian Vital. And I'm pretty sure there was like four possession or five possession stretch where he had all those turnovers and back to back to back to back. It was uh, pretty crazy that he just, he just couldn't handle the ball whatsoever. And they held him in check from beyond the arc. Inside, he did a lot. I, overall, defensively, I thought the effort was pretty good. They controlled the ball, only turned, turned it over 10 times, but compared to the 17 on UConn, uh, that's a pretty favorable differential. And considering UConn was also a very high potent team in terms of forcing turnovers, props to them for keeping control of the ball. Obviously, you, you made mention of it, Jermaine Samuels with a big time game. And I, I felt like it was a little bit of redemption too to hit that three at the end because he missed some free throws early on that kind of kept UConn hanging around. I think he was 0 for 3 to start from the line. And that was kind of aggravating. But the fact that he was able to go out there and hit big shot as he always does no problem whatsoever no harm no foul and I also want to give some big time props to Jeremiah Robinson Earl that stretch at the end was fantastic grabbing big offensive boards it was a really impressive feat especially going up against Carlton it was something to behold and also Colin had a great game too I think he had like a he scored like 10 points on his own for Villanova because uh, the offense just went absolutely dead. He was kind of able to keep Villanova hanging around and didn't let UConn pull away. So pretty good job by those guys. And this was all with Sadiq Bey starting off really well. He spearheaded Villanova's early lead, but he kind of went missing after that. And the fact that this team was able to kind of put together that effort without him being a major offensive factor was pretty impressive. Yeah, just to add to the whole turnover differential, UConn, as we mentioned and highlighted in our preview, they do love to generate turnovers. They're very good at it. And even though they did force 10 Nova turnovers, they couldn't really capitalize. And you got to credit Nova's defense there. They only allowed four points off turnovers. And then you compare that to Nova, who forced 17 UConn turnovers, but they were able to capitalize and create that into 23 points off turnovers. Huge, huge, huge. As we mentioned before, you know, if you're going to make mistakes against Nova, they're going to make you pay for it. And that huge differential, and not only the turnover difference, but also the scoring off turnovers is great. Jermaine Samuels and Colin Gillespie, this just goes back to why your senior leadership, or I, I can't say senior leadership because they're not really seniors, they're juniors, but this goes back to why they're so important in Jay Wright's program and Jay Wright's philosophy. Those guys were big time in the second half. And yeah, it was total redemption. I remember when Samuels did miss those first three free throws of the game. It was a little annoying, but he came back big in the second half. Not only did he hit that three, that was just a cherry on top for a strong second-half performance, but 14 of his 19 points came in the second half. And then if you look at Gillespie, he was excellent down the stretch once again. He's a little, he showed a little bit of that arch blood in the past before, but I've noticed particularly in the second half of games, he seems to be stepping things up. And he had all 12 of his points in the second half to help Nova get ahead and put the game away. 
he was particularly strong as well. Those two junior captains really did well down the stretch, and you definitely got to praise the defense there because not only were they locked down from long range, but as you mentioned and highlighted the rebounding effort by Robinson Earl, which has always been particularly great, even though he only shot 2-7 on the floor. As we've said before, you can always count on that guy to get you a key rebound when you want it, and he definitely had a bunch of those. And also, it didn't seem like plenty of UConn's guys were able to get into a groove. The way that they're able to buckle down in order to fuel that run or fuel that stretch at the end to get back in front before delivering the daggers and the shots to seal the game was definitely huge. It all starts on defense, and they were great. And then you had your junior captain stepping up big time. You got to love it. You got to love it. And of course... You're coming out with a win, which is always important. For sure. It was a good all-around effort. There was something that annoyed me during this game. At the end of the first half, they were up 27 to 21 with like three minutes remaining, just under three minutes remaining. And they went scoreless for the rest of the half. And so did UConn. So good job by the defense. But they got to take advantage of that. There was that it was reminded me of the Marquette game where they held Marquette scoreless for a long period, long period of time, but they also went scoreless during that same stretch as well, or they didn't score as much as I would have liked them to. If you score a good amount of baskets in the last three minutes of that first half there, UConn's done. They're put to bed. I, I would say the game, I wouldn't say the game's over, but it's for the most part, you're, you're wrapped up and they're, they're put away. Just, just play your game at that point. But the fact that you kind of, they kind of kept it within six, then they come out hot to start the second half. And the next thing you know, UConn's up five. To me, again, I've been stressing it a lot over the past couple of weeks. Like, you got to put these teams away. You can't let them hang around because better teams will take full advantage of that and beat you. Obviously, UConn's not exactly the biggest offensive force and not exactly one of the best teams in the nation. So Villanova was able to get away with it. But you got you to start taking advantage of long stretches where the other teams just go scoreless. You can't go scoreless with them or only put up a basket or two like you did against Marquette. You got to start taking full advantage of those. Yeah, there were definitely a couple of cold stretches, especially when Nova started falling behind. I was starting to get a little worried myself. I was like, oh, God, we had such a great start, and now it's like UConn is back in it, and they're in front? Oh, no, please, please. But it all just set up for some interesting dramatics, especially down the stretch. Had to make sure there was still a pulse in the crowd. But it was definitely a good gut check. Jermaine Samuels, are we approaching clutch conversation? Can we add the clutch badge to his player profile? Eugene, it's already been there for me. Oh, baby. It's already it's, been there it's, for it's Chris. Been there. It's been there. He's just got to activate it. He's just got to hit the, the RB button. Or just activate that R2K. <laughs> R1, RB, whatever it is. It's been there. He's always good for one. So I'm there. I'm there calling him clutch every day. It's fine. You'll take the performances where he it kind of where his box score doesn't look exactly the greatest for this. As this is fantastic. He won. He big sing, not single handedly won this game, but he big, he, big he owned those game. last couple of minutes. He owned those last couple of minutes. He did. Him and JRE just took over. So yeah, all for it. Also, I kind of want to just bring up another point uh, about UConn. We kind of glossed over it during our preview about how good they are at blocking shots. They had some big time blocks against Villanova. <laughs> oh my God! What was it? Was it, who was it that got absolutely stonewalled at the rim? I think it was Bay. I'm like an attempted dunk. And he just got posterized, but on the other end. Yeah, like, just oh, a oh. just a ugly rejection. Yeah, they yeah. did have a, a bunch of those. Yeah, UConn. What was it like six in the first half or something insane like that? Five or six in the first mm-hmm. half alone. Yeah, yeah. It was yeah. It was all it was all early. I remember that. 
That was crazy. Too bad it didn't matter. Right. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Hey, when you're t- when you're shooting over half your your shots from beyond the arc, I guess it really doesn't matter. But yeah, that uh, I I, did, I think the inside presence of you kind of kind of forced them away from that and forced them to shoot more threes. But they were gonna I, they were gonna that was the game plan from the get go. Yeah, it was a good thing that they were able to shoot over the top, but. You know, most importantly, you got to hit those shots, and they definitely did all throughout the game. That three-point shooting, it's looking like it's trending back up. It's continuing to trend back up, I should say. Yeah, they've uh, been riding the hot hands for the past few games now. Even Antoine got in on the action. I think he hit his uh, first shot of the day. Yeah, he hit a nice catch-and-shoot three. That was that was real nice. I was like, oh, who hit that? I was like, oh, Antoine? Oh, okay. All right. All right. Didn't even realize he was in the game, but we'll take it. To Jay's credit, he did play them for a little more this time. He did. Him and Slater. Slater. Him and Slater. Yeah. It was more than just like three minutes for each. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they were actually able to breathe a little bit on the court. Yeah, Slater got 12, Antoine got 6. So with the win, Nova's now 14-3 and overall, and they got a pretty big one tonight. Huge one, actually. Like you said, Chris, it never works out like that. Where we see this huge game on the horizon, and then, of course, like the team we're about to play just loses right before. So now it's like, instead of like a top five match, it's like top 15 match. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that, that really sucks for whoever's got to market the game on Fox Sports 1. Well, actually, no, it's not on Fox Sports 1. This one's on CBS, but you get my point. Yeah, and also, I think this has got to be the highest ranked Pavilion opponent since Xavier a couple of years ago when they, when they had that top five matchup. Um, when Edmund Sumner, uh, I just remember that. Yeah, I just remember that game is like the, the Edmund Sumner crash, and then Xavier fans calling Chris Jenkins dirty, uh, which uh, I didn't think it was dirty. I didn't think it was just a freak accident. And then mm-hmm. after that, Nova proceeded to obliterate them. But that was also a strange <laughs> game because that happened in the beginning of the game. And like honestly, yeah. if I was on that court, I'd be like, uh, I'm yeah. good, coach. You could, you could, you could just, uh, you could just sit me out on the side. Uh, I, I don't think I want to jump ever for the next 40 minutes. <laughs> yeah, they that definitely zapped the energy out of, I'd, I'd say, both sides, but obviously more so Xavier. And even if you're taking away the human aspect of it, X's and O's point. I mean, I'm sure they had a whole game plan based around Sumner. And to just kind of throw that away within the first five minutes, is uh, that's hard to come back from. And no, and I totally agree. But with this Butler game, it is exciting because it's not every day you get a ranked opponent in the pavilion usually these ranked games are saved for the wells fargo center and not only are they ranked but they're top 15 yeah i know they had to fall out of the top five but they're coming in at number 13 and butler has been very good this butler team was once predicted to finish in eighth according to the preseason coaches poll in the big east is now one of the top teams yeah they took a couple hits last week suffering back-to-back losses to seton hall and depaul but they're coming in to tonight's matchup at 15 and three overall, three and two in the Big East. They were looking like one of the more consistent teams around the conference, but it looks like the rigors and the intensity of the Big East and conference play this year can get to the best of them. And it looks like Butler has taken a little hit there. Now, will their losing streak extend to the three games? I don't know. Ideally, hopefully it would, at least for Villanova's fans' sakes and all that. But uh, Chris. What's the skinny on Butler? Who should we watch out for? Obviously, Kamar Baldwin. He's an excellent two-way talent, excellent two-way guard, and he's kind of their cornerstone. But what's the deal with him, and what's the deal with some other guys we should look out for? Sure. So let's tackle the individual roster first. So, yeah, you mentioned Kamar Baldwin. He is a Swiss Army knife, averaging 15.1 points per game, 4.3 boards per game, 
about three assists, 42% from the field and 35% from beyond the arc. Uh, in other terms, he's really good at basketball, so they should probably guard him and make sure he doesn't do much damage. It, it seems that he's kind of hit a stretch here where he's basically trying to carry Butler. The past five games, he's 19 points, 20 points, 17, 19, and 16 in that order. So uh, pretty good showing for Kamara in the past few games. Another guy I want to highlight is Sean McDermott. He is the sharpshooter for Butler. He's shooting 42% from beyond the arc, good enough for 11.5 points per game. And also averaging five and a half boards as a forward. And in total, 50, over 50% from the field. Two other forwards, uh, both of them transfers. So Jordan Tucker, he's been with Butler for the past couple of years now. I, I think he's a pretty familiar name amongst Villanova fans. Averaging just under 10 points per game. He's also a pretty good three-point shooter. Uh, shooting at 39.8% from the, on the arc. And he's, I think he's kind of carved out a role for himself as a sixth man. And then also Bryce Enzi. He's a transfer from the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee, and for longtime Villanova fans, you will remember Villanova played them in 2014 in the first round. So I don't, I don't, he wasn't on the roster, but he comes from that school. He's averaging 9.3 points per game and just under seven boards a game. Uh, he's a big boy inside, so watch out for him to clean up against uh, JRE. He will have his uh, work cut out for him. As a whole for the schedule, I know you mentioned their losses to Seton Hall and DePaul this past week, which was pretty bad, I must say. You would think that with as a number five team in the nation, you got a ranked team coming into Hinkle Fieldhouse, and you couldn't close out the deal, in which they led. They had a pretty sizable lead in that game, too, and they let Seton Hall come storming back. Uh, that was a pretty uh, disappointing loss. And then you go on the road against DePaul and basically no-showed and giving DePaul their first Big East win of the year. That was uh, a little bit disappointing. But otherwise, on the year, some notable wins, Minnesota, Missouri, Stanford, Ole Miss, Florida. None of them ranked at the time, but, you know, notable programs. They gave Baylor a run for their money, losing by only one to them at the time. And it was uh, Baylor's ranked 11th, and they're obviously number one now. They also beat Purdue. And then in the Big East, they have three wins with St. John's, Creighton, and Providence. So this is put up or shut up time for Butler, I'd say. You're coming off, as I mentioned, you're coming off a loss against the ranked Seton Hall team at DePaul as well. You're at Villanova. If you, I'm not saying Butler's frauds, but I think a lot of people are starting to think like, okay, is Butler really this good or did they just kind of peak a little too early? And this is a perfect opportunity for them to, to show everyone if they have or haven't. And then they also got to go on the road to Seton Hall later on in the year. They have plenty of opportunities to make this up, but it's going to be interesting to see. Yeah, I know that's a real hot topic among the Big East Coast bias community, and a lot of different opinions have shown up on our sister SB Nation site in regards to whether or not this team is for real or if they peak too early, what the deal is, or if this is just a rough patch. They're definitely going to be very motivated, obviously, because, one, it's Nova – who's kind of been the gold standard in the conference for the last few years. Not only that, if they lose, they're dropping a 3-3 three and three in Big East play. And 500, not a good place to be, especially for a team that was once looking so good. So they're going to need to regroup, and they're going to need to regroup hard because when you lose to DePaul on the road, <laughs> that's just, no, you can't no. do that. You can't do that. And what's crazy about that DePaul game is if I told you Charlie Moore only scored nine points in that game and turned the ball over six times, you would have never thought that DePaul was going to win by double digits. But they did. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they did. They shot the lights out in that game, too, from beyond the arc. It was 10 to 17 from deep. It's pretty good. 
Yeah, took over in the second half. Paul Reed, Jalen Coleman, Lands leading the charge. And then against Seton Hall, they had some huge performances from the other guys. Romaro Gill, Jared Roden, Quincy McKnight dropped a huge double-double with 13 assists and only one turnover, which is pretty insane. Yeah, Miles Powell had his. He had 29. Classic. But his efficiency that game wasn't ultimately that great. He was 9 of 23 overall. So even with him shooting a, a lower clip than what he, we've seen from him, we saw a lot of different other guys step up. And I think that's what Villanova's going to need. A lot of different guys to, to show up. Can't just depend on one guy or two guys that can carry the way. We're going to need three or four guys maybe in double figures. This is a Butler team that doesn't really make a lot of mistakes. The one common theme that I've noticed in these losses, in the last couple losses, is that this is a solid three-point shooting team. They're currently ranked 75th in Division One, As you mentioned, McDermott and Tucker, they're two great slingers from deep. And especially with those two guys, they're actually – both of them are top 10 in the conference in terms of three-point percentage. So we're going to need to lock those guys down from long range. We've seen Nova obviously channel these defensive performances before. And it's starting to look like that they've been doing very well, especially in hindering teams that try to shoot it. So that's going to be one key, shutting those guys down or slowing them down. And then the other one's going to be not making mistakes because Butler, they don't turn the ball over that much, and we definitely can't gift them with extra possessions. So the defense is going to be key. No turnovers, clean game, and increased emphasis on the three-point line, especially between those two because when Butler struggles from deep, they've lost to DePaul. They lost to Seton Hall. So it looks like not letting them get comfortable, not letting them set up shop, from long range is going to be key. Oh, for sure. And I kind of want to highlight on two other key matchups, I think. One you were telling me before was Butler is, a, is actually a pretty good three-point team defensively. And it showed against Seton Hall. They actually held Seton Hall to a pretty low percentage from beyond the arc, even though they ended up losing. You were telling me also that even though we kind of mentioned that against UConn, that UConn's three-point defense was pretty good, but we kind of thought it was a bit of a fluke because of competition. Butler's is a little more battle-tested. And yeah, they did give up 10 to 17 against the ball, but I think all the other games with a bigger sample size, I think it proved that their three-point defense is actually much better than what that DePaul game indicated. So it'll be interesting to see if Villanova is going to be able to hit from beyond the arc and keep that hot hand shooting. And also I want to bring up the defense against Kamar Baldwin. I forget who asked it. It was during one of the questions in the last episode, but they brought up about a good point. Like who's going to guard Baldwin? And it seems that, you know, Charlie Moore was able to take advantage of this team pretty well. And yeah, you know, Christian Vital didn't exactly have the best game, but he still got his inside. So it's going to be interesting to see who's going to step up and man up the, the best player on this team. That's definitely a good question. We're just going to have to see who steps up. Do you have any guesses on who you think it might be? I'm going to go with big game Jermaine, man. It's a ranked opponent coming into the pavilion. <laughs> this, is, this is where he takes off. This has got to be it for him, right? It's got to be it for him. I think he goes off, plays some great defense, gets a key block, you know, down the stretch or something, maybe a chase down block even. Why not? I haven't seen one of those in a while. Give me Jermaine Samuels. Yeah, this is going to be a real grinded out game. Both teams' defenses seem to be on the up and up. It's also going to be a very slow tempo game because Butler loves playing the half court. And when you look at their top 10 three-point defense in the country right now, that's that's pretty insane to look at. I don't know how Nova's going to shoot up against that. Might be sleeping in the streets a little bit, but we've seen them find other ways to win, and this might have to be one of those in order to keep on rolling and keep this winning streak going. 
So do you have Villanova winning or no? I have Nova winning, and I'm, I'm going to guess 66 to 63. Okay. Yeah, I, I think it's a five-point victory for Villanova. We're going to find out tonight, 7 p.m. Tip-off, don't look for the game on Fox Sports 1 because it won't be there. It'll actually be on CBS Sports Network, which means I think we'll be dishing out the channel guide because I don't think anyone has that <laughs> channel remember, memorized at least. Mm-mm. And, of course, this is like the one game on that network. Like, <laughs> yeah, like I, I guess they were kind of going off. Pre-season yeah, no, they definitely, game. they definitely were, and which is insane too because what was it like three Butler players transferred out of the team like over the summer, and then mm-hmm. you know it was like oh they're predicted to finish eighth, and here they are, right mm-hmm. there, towards the top of the league. Can you imagine if they stayed top five? If like, can you imagine how Fox Sports would be kicking themselves if they were gonna if they undersold a top ten Big East matchup. <laughs> I mean, granted, nine versus thirteen is nothing to scoff at, but still, I feel like. Yeah, no, I know what you mean. It's like, uh, like they probably got every single game, and now it's like they have to give CBS Sports to this one. And <laughs> they're just like, oh, uh, yeah, missed opportunity. But I'm sure they'll have plenty of Seton Hall versus whoever games. Oh um, I mean, yeah, oh yeah, mm-hmm. without a doubt, without a mm-hmm. doubt. Before we head on forwards and dive into our mailbag, we just want to take a hot moment and give a huge shout-out to Tano Passigno and the Kansas City Chiefs for going to the Super Bowl. It's got to be a pretty exciting time, especially for Tano, who's having quite a year. I know that things were like a little slow when he first got drafted and people weren't sure if he was going to be a bust or not, but it looks like it seems like this year he's found a role for himself and he actually had a couple sacks in that AFC Championship game. Good for Tano. Yeah, he had two, and I think they were kind of close to each other, if I remember correctly. I was too nervous leading up to my back game, so I don't really remember much from the Kansas City game. But he was, like, flying all over the place for a good couple series. And there was this one where I think it was on a sack. I think he – it looked like he stripped the ball and was able to pick it up. He would have ran it back for a touchdown, but they blew the play dead. He was down. It was during a big possession, too. Tennessee was right, right, still right in, and I think they were down either. They were down a score – or 11, or whatever it was. It was still relatively close. The game was not decided yet. He basically ended any hope for Tennessee there. Yeah, fantastic game. He's definitely come on strong these past uh, this year. They love him over there. Good job. Proud of him. We, we were kind of following him when he was in the combine. I remember some of our first episodes, we were talking about his combine stuff. So, yeah, it's pretty crazy to see him, like, rise all the way here yeah our first season on the pod we were like talking about him getting ready for his senior season and then how we were going to check him out during the homecoming game pretty pretty cool huge congrats and anytime nova nation does a big obviously we get hype but to do it in the nfl not a lot of wildcats get to do that so that's ultra exciting especially with just what a study was on the college level tearing up the caa i would have to double check the numbers but I'm pretty sure after he left, Nova went from, like, first in sacks to dead last, and it wasn't even close. (laughs) Wouldn't shock me one bit. But uh, continuing on your your Villanova Wildcat path to the NFL, you do know who's doing the Super Bowl this year, right? It's Fox. And you know who's on the Fox pregame show? Howie, howie, howie. That would be correct. So I'm assuming at some point during the Fox pregame show that some Villanova – mention will be brought up somehow some way he might base his prediction off it honestly i think he will <laughs> i 100 think he will we'll definitely be checking out super bowl sunday we'll we'll talk about it a little more once we get closer to that and especially if they win 
Got to be an exciting time for Tano and the Chiefs. Moving on to the Super Bowl, taking on those San Francisco 49ers. All right, Chris, I think it's that time of the day where we stop what we're doing, pop open the mailbag, and answer those questions that you, the listeners, have sent over to us. As always, you can tweet us at SONNPod, and it'll make its way towards us. Chris, we got a few in here, so let's roll right to it. First set of questions is from Jerry Quinn. His first one is, can we get more of the Jermaine Samuels performance from Saturday? Yes, yes, 1,000 yeses. I would love to see more big game Jermaine performances like Saturday. Yeah, I really hope so. He's my player of the game for this uh, upcoming game on Tuesday. So, all for it. What's crazy is I'm pretty sure that that shot where he made the dagger, I'm pretty sure it's the exact same spot where he had it against Kansas, where he had the go-ahead shot against Kansas. I feel like it's the same exact spot. It was. I feel like that's just a spot. That's a spot. Yeah. That's a spot. Chris Jenkins has a spot. Jermaine Samuels has a spot. <laughs> I don't think that part of the court's going to be put up in the, the Hall of Fame anytime soon, though. Yeah, it will be on the SNN Hall of Fame. <laughs> we'll take it in. Is, Jerry, second question is, how many other first-year players would have made the plays that Jeremiah Robinson Earl did in the last three minutes of the UConn game? Chris, you were going in on JRE's performance towards the end. Yeah. Feel free to elaborate here. Yeah, to ask, answer Jerry's question, I don't know who else would have made those plays. I can't really think of one at the top of my head. Maybe Omari Spellman when he was uh, on his first year, I guess. But it, it was really a great display of athleticism and basketball IQ and just pure strength and will to just get in there and grab the boards when necessary, hit the clutch free throws. I, I was really, really impressed. And, you know, we, I think we went over his stat line, and it wasn't all that impressive. But just that, that effort alone was – he basically sealed the deal. And that's, that's very important to see from a freshman. Yeah, if you didn't know what was going on and you saw the stat line of, like, 11 points, seven boards, you wouldn't, have, you wouldn't have fully understood the full picture there. It was an outstanding last few minutes. Going off of that, Jerry wants to know, is our team ceiling this year determined by Jeremiah Robinson's Earl's growth and impact on defense? I'd say it's pretty huge. You consider another notable first-year big man that Nova had, well, I guess I should say technically second year, but Omari Spellman. Omari Spellman beginning of the year versus end of the year, I felt like that was just – that just put Nova over the top once he hit his stride and once he started peaking, especially around tournament time. Omari Spellman in March, that was a bad man. That was a dangerous man. <laughs> Robinson Earl can continue his upswing and reach some sort of level near that. Hmm. We're, we're, we're going to be doing some damage. We're going to be doing some damage. For sure. Like, I, don't, I don't think Villanova's success is going to be completely predicated on Jerry's performance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I do agree with you that if he hits another level, Villanova's going another level. For sure. Yeah, I wouldn't say it all. Yeah, we're not going to put the, the weight on Jeremiah Robinson Earl's shoulder, but it can only help. It can only help if he takes it another gear. This next one is from Art Axe. Zone seemed to work fine. Why not deploy more often? If anything else, just as a disruption. Art, this is an excellent question that I yep. think just like inbounds questions we've asked, or I shouldn't say we, but I guess us the fans have asked Jay this like a bunch of times. Jay likes his things. He likes his man-on-man D. He likes his press once in a while he likes his three inbounds plays like that's just that's just what it is 
Yeah, Jay's kind of just set in his ways. And I'm just – I'm so glad someone asked this question because I completely forgot to bring it up during the recap. Because I, I remember watching the game. I'm like, holy crap, there's zone. <laughs> wow. <laughs> it's, uh, it's like one of those Bigfoot shows. Like when you get something that remotely sounds like it, you get all excited. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, it, it worked well in the limited time it was used. That's for sure. It's people, it, it didn't seem like it was a complete fiasco. But I guess yeah, I guess he just wants to throw, wanted to throw in a wrinkle there. Yeah, no, it definitely seemed to work against UConn. They were not ready for that knuckleball from Jay right there. And we got a couple here for Brendan Riley. This first one: How many Big East teams will be ranked in the AP poll come Selection Sunday? Chris, how, what's the magic number here? Uh, well, there be Villanova, yep. Seton Hall. Okay. I think Butler stays there. Okay. I think that might be it. Creighton might creep in. Creighton's kind of hanging around. Georgetown's not going to do it. Marquette's not going to do it. I think that's it. Am I forgetting anybody? I don't think so. Xavier's falling off. I think that's it. So what about I DePaul? Three. What about DePaul? Um, yeah, they're going to be number one. So, yeah, I guess four. Number one in the NIT poll or the, the main one? Oh, obviously the main one. Oh, oh, okay. All right. Um, no, I, yeah, I, I'd say three. Now I'm going to add one more to that question. How many of those teams will be ranked in the top 15? Wow. I'd say two. Wow. Which ones? Villanova Seton Hall. Okay. Okay. I, th- I think Butler kind of tails off. I was also thinking those three, but I think of the three, I think Villanova is the only one that says top 15. I think the Big East yeah. will cannibalize a little bit. Yeah, that's a fair point. I can see Seton Hall getting eaten up. Yeah, but uh, just kind of what happened too. last year. We, wh- wh- how many teams was it last year? Just us and Marquette ranked tournament time? Or Pretty was it just much. Us? I forgot. I think Marquette got. I think Marquette was still ranked. Marquette was definitely still ranked. They were a five seed. Oh, okay, then yeah, they were definitely still ranked. I don't know. Well, actually, didn't we have a problem with their seeding? <laughs> I don't remember. Uh I think overall we, we had a problem with the Big East because they kind of – the committee, after loving the Big East in terms of seeding, was just like, nope, you guys don't want to make it to the second weekend? All right. Nova's <laughs> your top seed at four. Marquette's your number five. And then Seton Hall's at eight. Uh, right. Yeah, it was a little, a little harder uh, in terms of rewarding the conference. It was. All right, so I just looked it up. The last week, week 19 of the basketball season last year, Villanova was 25, Marquette was 23. Wow. Yeah, but I don't think that included the the, way, the tournaments. But then the final ranking, Villanova was 20th, and that was it. Yeah, so I'd say three. I'd say those three. I, I would definitely say those three. If one had to fall off, I'm going to say Butler. We're saying that now, and then watch them come into the pavilion tonight. Just absolutely whoop ass. <laughs> <laughs> That's how it always goes. You already know one manager on the Butler team whose job it is to find – any kind of smack talk of any sort of any channel or media platform and just plaster that all over the locker. <laughs> this podcast called the Paul uh, Butler frauds and they like the Paul better than you guys. <laughs> and they win by 50. This guy said that they're going to lock down Sean McDermott and Jordan Tucker. How do you feel about that? <laughs> Promptly go Nine of ten from beyond the arc combined. Bombs please away. no, please, please Bombs no, stop! Away, Don't do it. 
Please don't do it. <laughs> and then we have a second one from Brendan, and this is from his daughter. Who is your daddy and what does he do? Chris, who is your daddy and what does he do? The San Francisco 49ers are my daddy, Eugene. <laughs> <laughs> what be Aaron Rodgers and everybody else? Richard Sherman. No, 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 no. Don't even go there. Stop. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> All right, you're right. Brendan, I, I saw this and I was immediately about to quote that movie, but then I was like, wait a second, the best answers are the ones that look totally weird, no context. Like I was I was just about to just fire away and just like say a couple of the uh the quotes that the kids say in response to this, and then I was like, Wait, NSFW or I would look like a total weirdo with no context. But uh, I will say that I think Kindergarten Cop is probably one of Arnold Schwarzenegger's like underrated movies. It's pretty underrated, in my opinion. I think it's just a great movie. It is. It is. It's wonderful. I think I think he was underrated. Like you know, most people like they they liked his action roles or whatnot. But I think this was like this is excellent. Last Action Hero was good. This one, Kenny Ryan Cobb's just as good. I feel. He was great. He was excellent in that movie. You feel like Arnold Schwarzenegger was not getting enough love for this movie? Uh, I feel like his other roles get more love. Really? Because when I think of Arnold Schwarzenegger, I think of this movie. <laughs> oh, wow. I think well, Terminator I mean, I, well, and all that. <laughs> well, you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. Terminator. You're right. And then you're right. Bodybuilder and then California Governor. <sighs> that, that wasn't a movie role, Eugene, even though it seems like it. <laughs> <laughs> he, he was the, the president in the Simpsons movie. That he was, too. You were right. <laughs> you were right. Okay. All right. All right. I know everybody's yelling at me now. All right. You're right. Schwarzenegger is the Terminator. He is not the kindergarten cop. He is the kindergarten cop. But I, <laughs> I get, and then I guess Conan the Barbarian. I guess did he do? Was he that? I think he was that too. Okay, he was actually in a lot more movies than I thought. Jeez. Yeah, he was. A, yeah, he had like a long acting career. <sighs> I can't do a good Arnold voice. Can you do a good Arnold voice? No, I'm. I'm not gonna even attempt. I was going to, but I was like, no, nah, I can't. I'm just gonna look like an idiot. <laughs> no. This is this is what we need Jesse for. Yeah, I was gonna say yeah, he, yeah, yeah. Our friend Jay Han does a does a pretty good one. <laughs> Jenny Han, great, great voice actor. Yeah, he's got he got all the different voices down pat. Mm-hmm. That's, that's probably why he 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 was. No, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna chill him on the show. I'm not gonna chill him on the show. <laughs> he doesn't even know what's happening. It's, a, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. And our last question of the day is from Scott Eldridge. Why isn't Cosby Roundtree playing more minutes? Chris, I feel like we've gotten this question almost every week. Mm-hmm. I answered it last time, so you could take this time. Uh, it's just not in the cards right now. The rotation's pretty much set. It's the, it's the big six, and then with a little bit of Antoine and a little bit more Slater thrown in there. I mean, we kind of saw DCR a couple in past couple games with a little bit of an expanded role. And by expanded, I mean four minutes instead of zero. And he's just not that good anymore. And it's not – it's just – he's just really regressed. I don't know what it is. Um, and then when he was given the opportunity – he was given the opportunity early in the year and he just didn't really take advantage of it. Uh, I can see him being used in certain situations, and I'm all for it. I think he's a very likable player. I was a big fan of his for freshman and sophomore year. But this year, it, it just doesn't seem like it's working out right now. So he's just not playing. 
Yeah, it's just a tough spot to be, but he still seems like a, a pretty good locker room guy, and it still seems like he has a good attitude. Maybe things change down the road or next year, but right now at this current moment, it looks like he's just kind of the odd man out right now of the rotation. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Thank you so much for listening to the State of the Nova Nation. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the show. You can do so at View Hoops or at State of the Nova Nation. Look it up on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, Megaphone. You got many, many options. Be sure to check back on the site. Check back, check often. We're always pumping out content. And also, please follow VU Hoops on social media. Like our page on Facebook. Follow us at VU Hoops on Twitter and Instagram. And you can follow me, Eugene Repay, at eRepay5. Yeah, I still got nothing. Still selling ad space. So if you want your Twitter plug, please. Pay me all the money in the world. So, yeah, follow Eugene, follow the pod, follow the hoops. Nova Nation, have a good Tuesday to get this win tonight. Let's see some cats, beat some dogs. Hopefully we'll be celebrating a huge top 15 ranked victory on Thursday. Take care of yourselves. Catch you later in the week. Go Cats.